Hello and welcome to Partially Redacted, a podcast where we discuss privacy and security engineering related topics. I'm your host, Sean Falconer, and today I'm joined by Ashley Joes, product lead at Skyflow, and we'll be talking about data governance, what it is and why it matters. Ashley, welcome to the show. Hey, Sean. Uh, it's great to be back. Yes, I actually should have said welcome back to the show. <laughs> so, you know, obviously you've been here before um, and maybe you can fill us in on, you know, what have you been up to since the last episode in December? What's new and exciting in your world? Yeah, well, I've been uh, busy with my teams. Uh, so we uh, recently shipped a new product suite here at Skyflow called Secure Workflows. So it's a set of products that enable customers to orchestrate uh, custom integrations and workflows and migrate millions of rows of sensitive data into a vault. And on top of that, you can also now run custom code within Skyflow's secure and compliant environment. Um, and on the personal side of things, I got to travel to Southeast Asia over the holidays and got to spend some time on the beautiful beaches there. So really glad I got to do that. Oh, yeah. Those both sound awesome, but we're, we're actually not talking about either of those things today. I guess we'll have to have you back for a third time to talk about secure workflows. Um, but before, you know, we're, we're going to focus on data governance today, but maybe before we get to kind of the ins and outs of that topic, we could talk a little bit about just the, you know, the growth of data and the impact that that's had. So there's obviously been a huge amount of data growth in the last few years in terms of how much data businesses are storing, processing, analyzing. And what are your thoughts on how this has impacted the kind of decisions that businesses are making? Yeah, so you're right. So from a market perspective, I think there are two key trends to be observed, right? So on one hand, we're seeing an exponential increase in data generation, consumption, and storage. And with generative AI and connected devices, you will continue to see an increase in this trend, right? So on the other hand, we're also seeing an increase in regulatory requirements and scrutiny with respect to how organizations store and process customer data. And if you look closely, both these trends don't really play well with each other, right? And cause organizations a lot more pain when it comes to governing data. So, so in this context, I think um, organizations with excellent data stewards who are essentially long-term thinkers stand to gain a significant competitive advantage over organizations who often take a short-term piecemeal approach to data governance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that, you know, is a good sort of segue into our topic today. Uh, if, you know, if you're managing large amounts of data, you you really can't do that in a way that's probably going to uh, remain secure, compliant, and so forth without comprehensive data governance. So maybe we could start there. Can you explain what data governance is and dive a little bit deeper into, you know, why is that so important in the context of today's like data-driven world? Yep. So I think uh, data governance is uh, typically an umbrella term uh, used to capture everything you need to do to ensure that your data is secure, it's private, it's accurate, available, and usable, right? So it includes the actions that people might take, the processes they may follow, and the technology that supports them throughout the entire data lifecycle, right? So in this world, we talked about the fact that the amount of data being collected is constantly increasing, right? So it becomes really critical to have a good handle on your data, right? And this means uh, a very good understanding of data provenance, which is this idea of knowing where your data has come from, uh, where it sits, and where it might go. Um, so in this context, I think making the right architectural investments early on in your data governance journey can reap a lot of benefits in the longer run. Um, for instance, as an organization expands globally, 
uh, data localization laws come into effect. And if you haven't really built in data localization and data deletion requests into your governance model, then solving for this as an afterthought at a later stage will become very expensive and complex. Yeah, absolutely. I remember talking to someone, uh, I won't name the company, but they you know, worked for a fairly famous company and they talked about how every deletion request from a customer costs them somewhere between five and $10,000 because essentially they have to pay an engineer to go and find all those locations and actually delete the information. So it becomes a super, super expensive proposition for the business just to track all those things down after the fact. Yep. I've heard, I've heard many horror stories like that. So. Yeah. And you mentioned this idea of data provenance. And I imagine that must be really critical in this world where, you know, auditability of, you know, who's accessing the data, where it is, dealing with data subject um, requests and so forth by customers is, um, you know, complicated for, for businesses to, to, to manage as well. Yes. So I think having, I think it starts with having a very accurate representation of your entire data workflow, right? Where does it come from? Where is it going? And so, uh, so on and so forth. So unless you have that, you really don't have a good starting point to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the like key components of a comprehensive data governance framework? So I think uh, data security is a key component here, which is uh, essentially all about how you protect access to sensitive data. And this requires principles of least privileged access and zero trust and so on, right? And then there's data quality, which is another one which refers to any activities or techniques which are used to make sure that the data is suitable to be used, right? So, and it's usually measured on accuracy, completeness, consistency, timeliness, and so on. And then you have data management, which encompasses all aspects of managing data as an enterprise aspect, whether it's uh, collecting that data, storing it, or using it, and the oversight that you need to enforce over the usage of that data. And then how do people, you know, how do businesses essentially go about, you know, actually going from this kind of framework to implementation? Are they, you know, are they, uh, you know, building these types of tools themselves or, you know, buying various solutions? How does that work from like a technical perspective? So I think you see a mix of both. Um, so there's certainly more technically capable and uh, organizations which have like huge amount of resources and maybe data management is a core capability of their business. And you see those type of companies typically investing in these solutions in-house because um, they can also offer these solutions as products. But then for the rest of us out there, which uh, where we're not really involved in the data business, um, like think uh, if you're not a data warehouse company or a data analytics company, then it doesn't really make sense to invest in these products and features because it's really not core to our business. So then in those kind of organizations, I think buying a solution uh, often is the better approach here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And imagine as you are dealing with massive data at scale, of course, your problems are going to also scale. So trying to you know build something in-house to manage all those problems is going to become a bigger and bigger tax on your, on your business as you get, uh, as you're dealing with more and more data. Exactly. So what are the you know main challenges organizations face when they're actually going about trying to implement effective you know data governance practices and what is the you know impact on the engineering and technical teams and what role do those teams play in ensuring successful data governance? 
Yeah, so a, a key point of view that we hold here at Skyflow is that all data is not the same, right? So for instance, uh, customer PII, such as email and contact details, have very different characteristics and regulatory requirements than generic business data. And therefore, they must be treated very differently for storage and access. So now the key challenge for organizations then becomes, number one, how do you even identify sensitive data from generic business data? So to solve for this effectively, uh, you first need an accurate representation of, of how data comes into your systems. So are you using web forms to collect data? Are there streaming sources for real-time data? Or do you have sensitive data contained in unstructured form factors such as like images and videos and so on? So now once you've identified all your data flows, it then becomes important to figure out how do you actually isolate sensitive data from the rest of this data? And this piece has its own set of challenges. So it may be easy to identify which column in a CSV file is sensitive, but what about metadata in a medical imaging file that identifies a patient? So now, after you've figured out how to identify sensitive data, the challenge then becomes, where do you actually store it? And how do you store it securely? And how do you manage access to it? All right? Your files might be in different formats. So you need a data storage platform for sensitive data that is compatible with multiple different formats. And it's globally deployable to meet like data residency needs. So it also needs then uh, fine-grained and dynamic access control features and so on. So there's a bunch of things that need to happen here uh, from a technical implementation standpoint, right? On a, on a related note, like in my 10 years of working as a product manager in enterprise SaaS, um, a key insight that I've gained that designing systems for the future, but building for today is a very well-proven strategy for product execution, right? And this, I think, applies very well to data governance as well. So as uh, technical leaders, if you design your systems to be future-proof, you can avoid, avoid a lot of migration pain and operational overhead in, in, the, in the very long term. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's sage advice for anybody that's, that's listening and is looking to build software. So you talked about this uh, essentially worldview that, that Skyflow has and has put forward where there's essentially different types of data. You have sensitive data, and then you have your non-sensitive data. And sensitive data has to be treated differently and, and put somewhere else, essentially isolated outside of these existing systems. And is a core part of that from a governance perspective is that sort of the rules of engagement around the sensitive data and the types of operations that you perform on it are just fundamentally different than that of non-sensitive data? Yes, that's true. And then more importantly, it also makes it easier to manage it, right? So uh, yeah, on one hand, the way you deal with sensitive data and the kind of um, like requirements that are placed on it from a regulatory standpoint are very different than non-sensitive data. So just the very act of isolating it in a, in a secure, centralized place makes the very act of managing it very easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. You're sort of, you're not only isolating the data, but you're also isolating sort of the problem of uh, you know, remaining compliant as well as, you know, whatever sort of security controls you want to have around that information. Exactly. And and if you don't do that, right, then what you end up with is a situation where you have this problem of uh, data sprawl, where you have like PII uh, data spread across your internal servers. And then you get into the problem of when you get a data deletion request, how do I go and figure out where does that PII sit to go and delete it? Yeah, and that's when you're char you're you're putting out your five to ten thousand dollars to go pay your uh, the senior engineer on your team to go track down all those locations. <laughs> exactly, 
So what are some of the misconceptions or myths about data governance that you know you come across and, and how do companies think about addressing them? So I think a common misunderstanding here is that uh, data governance is a technology problem. Um, I think uh, a great uh, data governance implementation is a large org-wide initiative, right? And with any large organizational initiatives, you need to account for people, process, and technology. So let's take a, a very common example that we see, unfortunately, in the market of data breaches, right? So uh, if you take a look at most data breaches, it's usually some form of a compromised employee credential. Now, from a people perspective, uh, all employees must be trained on what constitutes PII and what are best practices for handling sensitive information and password credentials and so on. So at Skyflow, for example, we do a training session every year on data security and handling PII. So now from a process perspective, uh, you need to then ensure that all new product features that are being built, including specific customer implementations, have passed a security review check before they are shipped in production environments. And last, but definitely not the least, from a tech perspective, you then need to ensure that we have multi-factor authentication in place and that we're ensuring principles of least privileged access when it comes to controlling access to sensitive data. So I think getting to a great data governance state involves uh, cross-functional leadership alignment and prioritization, and it's just not an epic in JIRA for a specific engineering team. Sorry for the interruption, folks, but I just had a few quick reminders. If you're enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button so you can always get the latest episode and help others discover the show by leaving a rating and review in your favorite podcast app. Really helps. Last thing before I get you back to the interview, if you are interested in the topics discussed in this podcast, then you should definitely, definitely join the partially redacted community at skyflow.com slash community. There you can meet other interesting and like-minded individuals like yourself share your expertise, or just passively engage, totally up to you. All right, now back to the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's not, it goes beyond essentially a technical problem. We, we, you know, people in product engineering might be sometimes thinking about it in that lens, but a lot of this comes down to essentially a, a potentially a people problem and and uh, training the, the people involved is, is key as well as having the right sort of controls on potentially on their access or you know things like two-factor authentication and stuff like that is 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 core and key to having a great uh, data governance program. Yes. So with you know we talked about this rise of big data, you know advancements in technology. How has data governance evolved over the years? Are you know are there new sort of challenges or opportunities that have emerged? Yeah, so I think gone are the days of just manual data entry, right? So we now live in a world of automation. So everything is connected and generates tons of data, whether it be your car, your phone, or your watch. And uh, this connected life has really improved our standard of living on one hand. But on the flip side, it's become more important now than ever to ensure that the data being collected is really managed responsibly. Now, you could argue that technology is a root cause of this data management mess, uh, but I think technology can also be the solution. Um, with, uh, I think, recent advances in machine learning and AI, there are now very sophisticated solutions out there that can automatically detect sensitive data, they can detect fraudulent access and vulnerabilities in code. So employing these solutions can really help companies with a data governance challenge at a very massive scale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, you know, you mentioned uh, at the top of the show, which I think comes up probably in everything that I talk about these days around like generative AI and GPT systems and so forth. But the um, uh, there's there's lots of advancement in AI, and I think one of the 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 value adds that exists there is you can apply these systems to doing a lot of detection around PII, so that you can essentially understand where. Uh, this data is getting in uh, potentially from a discovery standpoint, or even from uh, you know dealing with unstructured data and making sure that you end up you know, ca not only cataloging that information but treating it the right way. Yes. And then you know we talked a little bit about you know how Skyflow thinks about some of this stuff, but with Skyflow in the data privacy vault approach, you know how does something like governance work? You know we mentioned isolation. But beyond that, what other parts of uh, you know the government's framework exist in Skyflow's uh, approach to this problem? So I think uh, as a data privacy vault company, uh, we are solely focused on uh, sensitive customer data, right? So we've built a privacy technology platform that can help manage sensitive data at every stage of its lifecycle, right from collection and storage to usage and deletion, right? So within this context, we have implemented the concept of isolate, which implies that PII should be stored separately from the rest of your data. Uh, localize, which means PII should be stored in the right region. And protect, which means protecting access to this data and securely sharing it with third parties. So now we believe that this is the right way to truly address the problem of uh, sensitive data sprawl within enterprises. So now from a feature standpoint, um, on the collection, we have a front-end SDKs that can directly pull in customer PII. So as soon as the customer enters it, so that there's no PII that touches your backend service. We also support like PII identification in existing systems and migration of sensitive data at scale. So we just recently completed a data migration involving over 10 million records for a specific FinTech customer into the data privacy world. Um, on the storage front, uh, we operate globally. So we have customers all over the world who use our privacy walls to store customer PII locally. Uh, we also support highly available uh, infrastructure and security features like VPC peering and so on, right? And on the protect, protect front, we enforce a fine-grained policy-based access control system to govern access to sensitive data. So using our connections product, uh, companies can integrate with third-party services without their systems ever touching sensitive data. And now with uh, secure workflows, you can even run custom code that needs to process sensitive data. So for example, uh, we recently built a function that can um, tell you if a person is about 21 years of age by running code that can calculate this based on a securely stored image of the driver's license. Yeah, that's really, really, that's really cool. The driver's license example. Can you also share an example of how some of the policy controls work from like the fine-grained access? Like, how do I go about essentially limiting certain types of, you know, users of my application only access to their information or you know, limited set of information? Yeah. So at at the Policy so at Skyflow we implement a very fine-grained access control mechanism. So we have uh, row-level access as well as column-level access. So you can now define a policy which can, as a customer agent which is um, assigned to the state of California, you can now author a policy which 
grants you access to only those uh, PII information of customers that reside in California. So we have that capability in the product. Um, another uh, interesting feature I want to talk about with respect to uh, policy-based access control is is an advanced feature that at Skyflow that we call context-aware authorization. So um, uh, there's a non-profit organization out there called OWASP, which stands for Open Worldwide Application Security. Um, and this organization publishes a list called the OWASP Top 10. And, and that list documents the top 10 application threats that we see in the world today. And one of the top threats here is uh, broken access control, right? This usually happens when you have uh, backend systems uh, that do not have any context on the request being made to check if the user should have access to data or not, right? And this is the same vulnerability that was discovered in one of Uber's APIs, where you could pass another user's ID and get their ride history and so on. So to protect against this, we allow apps to pass the end user context to Skyflow, where we can now enforce a row level security such that the end user can view and update uh, only their own information. Um, so that's just a small tidbit on what we do to protect uh, sensitive data in Skyflow. Yeah, that's really that, that's really interesting. And then, you know, would I be able to do something like, let's say, um, you know, I have users of a system that are like teachers, and I wanted to make it so that, you know, teachers they not only need to access their own records, but they need to be access, you know, some level of their student records. But then I might have an administrator person that maybe can access all student records, but they don't need to know the grades of those students or something like that. Exactly. That's another use case of this feature as well, where you can maintain these relationships and uh, define these access control policies that are subject to these relationships between the entity that's accessing the data and the subject whose data is being accessed. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, you know, beyond uh, some of the work that we're doing at Skyflow and some of the general stuff that you, you talked around, uh, you know, data governance and data governance frameworks, are there, you know, emerging trends or technologies in the space that you find, you know, interesting or promising or people that should, should be paying attention to? Yeah, I think we touched on this. I think generative AI is all the rage now and mm -hmm. companies are now concerned about what sort of data goes into these large language models and, and rightly so, right? Um, but I think these models are very good at identifying patterns. So I think the same um, technology can be used to um, identify PII. So we might see a lot of advances in automatic PII detection, especially in unstructured data like images and videos which has really not been easy to accomplish uh, historically. Yeah, I mean, it would be really, really interesting if you could essentially take a video stream and somehow uh, like identify the any of the the you know PII or things that you didn't want to share within the video stream and spit out a redacted version of the video or a clean version of the video. Exactly. Yeah. And then do you have any, you know, practical advice or recommendations for, you know, engineers or technical professionals who want to, you know, enhance their understanding or uh, involvement in data governance initiatives within their organizations? So I think uh, implementing a great data governance model requires uh, conviction and first principles thinking um, at the technology and executive leadership level. So I implore all technology leaders out there to take a closer look at their data models and take a long-term approach to designing a framework that can scale as your organization scales. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's great advice. Uh, it's, it, I feel like, 
you know, something that is as widespreading as data governance. And, you know, we talked about how this isn't just a engineering or technical challenge. This is also, you know, has to be part of sort of the culture and, and part of the, the way you train people with an organization. It probably has to be something that's, a, you know, a top down motion. It can't be something that's just exists in a silo as, you know, one particular team or, or sub team that works on this problem. Yes. All right. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to share, Ashley? Um, I think that was it. <laughs> okay, no problem. <laughs> Thanks so much for being here. Uh, we'll definitely have to have you back. We got to talk about secure workflows at some point. We touched on it today, but there's so much there that I think we could get into, especially around some of the really fascinating use cases that that particular product feature enables. Awesome. Thank you, Sean. Thanks.